0: That was bound to be a rather attractive discussion. And, of course, we can't play the balance of the voice notes because there are a couple of expletives therein. So you'll have to indulge us, please, for not going the full so insofar as giving you the platform to say your say simply because I don't think the rules quite infiltrated and were applied to. But to the extent that I do reply in just closing that conversation because I just didn't get enough time before the news break. The IRR has recently launched the Racism is not the problem initiative. I think Aisha and I are, for the most part, together there. There is no way at all to come to a conclusion which is the biggest problem. There there isn't. But, as Aisha says, racism is a definitive problem in this country. It is what the country inherited in 1994 established over centuries the experience generally speaking for African people black Africans that is and the experience generally speaking for white Africans can be defined along the fault lines of racism crime doesn't affect white people more than it does African people how one accesses spaces of learning of development, of teaching, of research, of information, whatever it is, disproportionately is not available to Africans as much as it is to white South Africans. The earning capacity and household incomes of white South African homes typically and black South African homes typically is heavily skewed in favor of white homes. There are many ways in which this question can be tackled. We talk about education, the limitation of that point that was being addressed. Would you rather have a government that um, does its work or would you rather have vouchers to go to private school? Those are not the only questions you can ask insofar as it relates to addressing the education question. For instance, you could have simply asked a question. Would you want your government to be represented by persons who are capable and skilled? If the answer to the question is yes, you take care of every other question that could have been asked. But to draw a particular question to a particular conclusion, you do that because you, I believe, have a preconceived idea. If all else fails, if you take nothing away from this previous discussion, take this away. You can lie with statistics. If lying is not the word, you can come to any conclusion you want to conclude using statistics. Two and a half thousand people in our country's population, and I limited it to 50 million, is not, comma, not, 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 5%. It's negligible. The reasons why you ask questions like, where do these people come from? What questions are you asking? And what are the variables available is you try to crystallize the issue. You try and be as encompassing as you might. I've got more friends on my Facebook than that poll took. And best believe, if I ask my Facebook friends, the results would be overwhelmingly in favor of racism is a problem in the country and possibly the problem in the country when you engage the people's experiences and you trace them down to what would be the most common of denominators. It's not politicians race baiting as problem as that much is. It's a question of racism and the vestiges of racism and racist institutions that give us the experiences on a day-to-day basis that is racism. Anyway, it's 2111. Songes omaphece on, on SAFM. Twenty-one eleven Health on Monday, I beg your pardon, sorry, it's the business story, Solvency Insurance, in his mid-30s, I beg your pardon, Mutonda Mahamba is one of South Africa's insurance industry's leading voices. Two years ago, he started his own insurance company called Solvency Insurance, which helps South Africans save money through their premiums. Unlike any other insurance product on the market, with Solvency, you can allocate a portion of what could have been your monthly insurance premium into an insurance savings account. He joins us now on the line just to give us a conversation and some context as to how he penetrated the insurance industry, his views on no-claim cashback offers, and how innovative players on the market are rewarding all their clients, including those who do claim. So don't be fooled by no-claim after three years cashback because clearly there's a way around it. Good evening. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Good evening, Sangaso, and good evening to the listeners.
0: Indeed. You playing in the lions, Daniel. And <laughs> you could have been swallowed, but like Daniel, you were not. So tell us how you've kept afloat.
1: Hey man, I mean look, I think I think it, 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 it goes back to even the previous discussion you've just had right now. That uh, you know, um at the core of this is to try and change the narrative and try and empower people in as far as Uh, an industry which has had high barriers of entry, as well as an industry that has not necessarily transformed itself to try and help people uh, to save um, and have just really been a one-way relationship where it's not fair towards the consumer. And that's what we're trying to do to say, you know, not only can you insure, but as you pay your insurance premiums, you can also save.
0: Tell us this model and how does it work and why is it available or why is it possible to do this whereas for the longest time the belief has been that or the established custom within the industry is if you do claim unfortunately you forfeit what you are mm. now coming through mm. as a benefit or a saving scheme
1: yeah i mean you know the best way to talk about it is really i mean and it's a and it's a true story a you know a lady had been insured for 26 years with one of uh, uh, the largest insurance companies uh, in south africa and she had not claimed for 26 years and the first time she had a claim, uh, the car was repaired. Uh, four weeks later, somebody reared into a bumper. And then the insurer said, No, thank you. You're you bad risk. Please go and find alternative insurance. Now, you can imagine she's thinking, It's 26 years I've not claimed. And the first, when I need insurance most, of this is how I get treated. Now, Songhezo, she's not alone because nine out of 10 of us, so 90% of us, will pay more in premiums than we will ever claim over our insured lifetime. So what I've then done with Solvency is that, you know, how do we then focus on giving the 90% a voice where the premiums that they pay don't just end up as profits to insurers, but they also participate in that. So what I've then done is that we then say you are able to allocate a portion of what would have been your premiums into an insurance savings account. So think about your medical um, Mm. aid, because mm-hmm. with your medical aid, you've got a normal medical savings account, which you can use for your day-to-day. So we've introduced a similar concept for short-term insurance with an insurance savings account. Um, and up to 45% of your premiums can be allocated to the insurance savings account. And basically, you can then use it as your day-to-day account. In the event of a claim, you can use the savings to pay for your for your excess, Every twelve months, whether you've claimed or not, and which is the point I really want to emphasize on, whether you've claimed or not, you are able to withdraw half of it or really just leave it to continue to grow and earn interest, which is really a first in South Africa where your premiums could actually go and earn some interest
0: now, on the question of premium, so my yep. premium is one hundred rand. Does yep. it mean I'm paying a hundred rand premium plus x, and the x goes into the savings account? Or is it 100 Rand less X and the less less X aspect or portion goes into the savings account? Your premium will remain 100 Rand. So, what we've done is that depending
1: on the excess that you are willing and able to afford, um, and we've kept the excess to 10,000 Rand. So, at a 10,000 Rand excess, depending on your risk profile, you could qualify for 45 rands of that 100 rands to, to go into your insurance savings account. Um, and why we kept it at 10,000 rands? Because we're saying, you know, people take on re- ridiculous excess amounts, fifteen, twenty thousand, 20,000, all in an effort to reduce their premiums. But South Africans don't have 20,000 lying around in the event of an accident. Mm. Never mind 20,000 rands. The average South African, even if they get involved in an accident for 3,000 rands, they still resort to unsecured loan, be it a, a personal loan, a credit card, to even come up with the 3,000 rand. So what we're doing is that we're helping you so that even in that unforeseen event, you do have a kitty that you can actually use to cushion uh, the blow. So it will still remain 100 rands that mm. you will contribute mm. overall, but at least now you've got the control, depending on your own risk profile, to say how much of that you actually want to go into your own savings. Um, now, I mean, and I like the fact that you are comfortable with these X numbers because if the, the, the average person in South Africa actually pays <laughs> 1,000 Rands uh, in premium uh, over a four year period, that's 48,000. Let's just say 50,000 to make the numbers simple. But the average person will claim once every four years for 18,000 Rands. Yet, on average, you would have paid 50,000 Rands in premiums. Mm. So, what happens with the excess? It gets distributed as profits to shareholders of an insurance company. But we're saying, hang on. By taking some of that risk yourself in the form of the excess that you're able to afford, you could actually be sitting with savings every year, and certainly. After How has
0: industry responded to you? How many people have come knocking on your door saying, "Hey, you've got a great business model. Can we buy equity?"
1: Look, I mean, it's a it's a consumer empowering model, so consumers love it. Uh, what well, what we've also realised been over the last couple of six months or so is that even brokers are asking for it. Uh, you know, so in as much as we are a fintech. I view technology as an enabler, and it doesn't mean that just because now it's, uh, it's it's technology, your financial advisor cannot get involved. So whereas even our business model started thinking about the direct consumer, we're actually finding that even advisors are looking for it because they're also looking to help South Africans to save. So if they can get that 400 rands that they can then direct towards the person's life savings, uh, everybody's reinterest. Really so the, the, the reception has been quite great.
0: We have predicated this discussion on short-term insurance. Would it apply to other aspects of the broader insurance industry or just short term?
1: Yeah I mean you know um, I mean uh, when, when I actually started solvency, it's because I was actually heading up uh, momentum and metropolitan product development on the continent and I realized uh, especially in the rest of the continent, people view insurance as an investment product. Uh, people pay funeral uh, premiums and life insurance premiums, endowment premiums, and they're expecting something every year or so. And, And my dream is actually to do that because I think it's definitely possible that for as long as your mortality as a country or as a group is not as expected, if it's better than expected, then as policyholders, we should benefit from the profits that otherwise would just get allocated to an insurer.
0: Fantastic, sir. So let's leave it there. Thank you so much for your time with Tora Mahamba. Much appreciated, sir.
1: No, thank you. And I'll just challenge the uh, listeners to go onto our website, www.solvency.co.za. Within three minutes, you get your quote. Uh, within three minutes, you signed up and you begin to your journey of insuring and saving at the same time.
0: Yeah, I've never heard of that before. Probably a good time for me just to start playing around the internet and dial or Google Solvency. Solvency Insurance, the founder thereof, Mr. Mutoda Mahamba, telling us in the context of how the insurance industry possibly could yet evolve. Watch out for that. It's certainly something in the offing. 2120, after this short ad break, we will be doing the traditional hashtag health on Monday. Song is on, baby on SFM living with psoriasis is more than a skin condition this disease is a daily physical emotional psychological battle for one million south africans living with this chronic disease and it can cause mental stress anxiety low self-esteem and depression people living with psoriasis face the reality of their condition at all times red scaly patches on the skin the itch that won't go away the stairs, invasive questions and comments, and the never-ending physical pain. Cirrhosis can present on any part of the body but it is most common on the knees, elbows, lower back, scalp, legs, face, palms, and the soles of the feet. Although there is no known cure yet, people living with the disease don't have to suffer. That's according to dermatologists in that they can prescribe treatment options that can reduce or eliminate symptoms, bringing much needed relief to people living with cirrhosis. I have a specialist dermatologist in Dr. Ugeshin Naidu. Good evening, ma'am. Thank you so much for your time. Miss Naidu? Okay, let's go to Dr. Lucian Pillai, also a dermatologist. Sir, good evening. Thanks for your time.
2: Hi, good evening, Sungeer. Thanks for inviting me on your show.
0: Fantastic. Outside from what I have said, could you just give us a brief medical synopsis of the disease cirrhosis, how people normally contract it, and especially now living with the disease, what are the treatments that can be prescribed to make living with the disease that much more bearable?
2: definition of the condition it's an inherited condition so to break it down it's passed on in families if one parent has it you've got about a 14% chance of developing the condition and a 44% chance if both parents have it it's an autoimmune illness so if you think of a skin cell it takes about one month to turn over and in this condition in two to three days the same thing is happening and there are trigger factors such as stress smoking and alcohol and certain types of medication that can cause the condition to come up. So you can get it at any age, but there are certain ages when it it usually shows up. In terms of treatment of the condition, there are so many treatments and the whole reason we having these shows and we having uh, you know these interviews is to to get our patients to understand that there there is help out there. And the earlier you treat the condition, the much better the long term prognosis of the condition. So you want to say try and Try and see someone who specializes in this condition. Try and treat it early and treat it well. There are newer treatments which can cause clearness of your skin. You know, In the past, we, we could only get a 50 or 60% clearance of the skin with our, our treatments. But there are newer treatments available which are just amazing. But we just need to seek help and look for people who specialize in this condition as, as it can be treated.
0: Talking about treatments, what are we talking about that's available on the market and how does it help the person living with the condition? Well,
2: look, it, 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 it depends on a few factors. The one is the, the age. The one is if you have any, any comorbidities. We know that the condition itself leads to conditions such as high blood pressure, diabetes, mental health type of disorders such as anxiety and stress. So it depends on, on what conditions you have. But, you know, you, you need to see a dermatologist or someone specializing in the condition so you can work out if it's mild or moderate or a severe type. And for our moderate and severe types of um, types of, of this condition, there are newer treatments that are called the biologics. And the biologics has changed the face of not just dermatology, but of medicine on a the whole. They cause clearance of the skin, and they also improve all the other stuff we mentioned, like the hypertension, the diabetes, the anxiety, and the depression. And this is not only by improving the skin.
0: Mm.
2: The medication itself improves the inflammation in the body, Which then improves all those other conditions.
0: We're talking to Dr. Lucien Pillai, who's a dermatologist, and Dr. Naidu, who's a specialist dermatologist, is now on the line at 21.25. Welcome to the platform, Dr. Naidu. We're talking about cirrhosis, and we've just heard from Dr. Pillay that it is hereditary. When will it start manifesting, and how would one know before that manifestation that one could be at risk? In other words, I'm trying to engage questions as to potential risk mitigation at the earliest possible time.
3: As we said, it's genetic, so patients would often present earlier with uh, between 15 and 25 with a scaly patch or changes on the skin, or late onset, between 55 and 60. Most often they have a family history, so patients are aware when these changes occur on their skin.
0: A lot of the time, of course, the change might be taking place, but somebody might not necessarily equate it to the condition itself, cirrhosis, though of course those who would. How then, at that point where one starts feeling these changes, how one would you advise should adjust one's behavior?
3: Most important thing is to get it diagnosed. So you need to go to a dermatologist to see and diagnose that. In terms of managing your behavior, once you have your diagnosis, they tell you to to decrease those factors that trigger it or make it worse, like drinking alcohol, smoking, stress. If you have an infection to manage it, should the psoriasis flare, then as Lucien said, there are excellent medications to manage it and to keep it under control long term.
0: What is the difference, and I'm asking you Dr. Naidoo as well because I do have a question for Dr. Pillay coming through. What is the difference, at least on how it presents, between cirrhosis and typically what people would refer to as an eczema or is it a form of?
3: It's not a form at all. This is an immune-mediated condition. So as Luchen said, it's right throughout the body and it's systemic. But in the skin, the body has formed little molecules against the skin. In eczema, it is also an inflammatory condition, but different molecules are formed. And often you have an allergen. So there's something in the environment that you're reacting to and you're allergic to. And that's a big difference. The skin also reacts differently. It is tiny little blisters. And obviously, when you go to the doctor, they can see the difference and help you, especially since they have that sort of history and they know how to look for that.
0: And of course, with anything in medicine, things mutate and change and you get more intelligent as you have more cases. But could it ever have been thought, Dr. Pillay, that COVID-19 would have a sort of impact even on cirrhosis? Give us more insofar as it relates to the article ascribed, or at least where you participate, that Morningside Dermatologist discusses the effect of COVID-19 and the stress on one's skin.
2: So I'm there's actually a few ways. On the one hand, Being during this COVID-19 lockdown, COVID-19 itself causes specific type of skin conditions. We've seen an increase in skin infections, in the urticaria, in in psoriasis itself, because psoriasis is strongly related to to stress. So all over the world, psoriasis incidence has gone up in this last year because people are under more stress, and it makes sense. On the other hand, being in lockdown has, has made our patients, unfortunately, consume more alcohol, smoke more and wearing the masks, etc. has led to an increase in other types of conditions like acne form eruption and periodal dermatitis and rosacea, this redness that you get on your cheeks. So we've seen a huge increase in our patients who are presenting with with skin conditions which are related, which are indirectly related to COVID nineteen. But more and more we're seeing skin conditions related to COVID nineteen itself. Now we've got actually we've got a few cases of of psoriasis itself presenting after COVID-19 and we just found out that very recently has been described overseas as well. So that's something new and we're going to see more and more things are coming out. You know it's still really early in this condition. More and more we're learning and more and more we're realizing that COVID-19 is causing so many so many different issues.
0: Dr. Naidu, there are people who, because they cannot afford the treatments that we've made reference to early on, at least through Dr. Pillay, or over-the-counter medicines through pharmacies, who would resort to old wives' tales, as it were, or home-made remedies. There are risks attached and associated with it. What have you seen in that regard that you are absolutely warning people against?
3: Well, often patients would just go to the pharmacy and get a cream which is usually a steroid and initially it would seem to help the symptoms but with time it actually makes the situation worse it the skin so when prescribed by a doctor that medication is effective and the doctor would warn the patients of the side effects but often patients are just going to pharmacies and sometimes these things are even sold on the side of the street
0: and of course that is risky
3: and that's definitely risky, risk, and sometimes people do say it's an alternative or natural remedy. Inside there is a cortisone-based cream.
0: Are we in a position in the public sector to be making such research available to the public, disseminating from an advocacy perspective, and are the treatments, not the treatment protocols, but the treatments, generally speaking, readily available, as in the private sector, in the public sector? Because one, imaginatively, can think that the majority of South Africans could quite easily be affected by this. And for those not on the budget of private health care, then become very precariously vulnerable.
3: So the majority of our patients with psoriasis, which is about 1% of our population, a million South Africans, they are in public sector. And in our larger institutions, we say tertiary, so that's the bigger hospitals, we do have these medications available. They may not be available to every psoriasis patient, but if it warrants it, they are available. So patients should still seek help.
0: Dr. Pillay, now that we are where we are, there is, especially in the context of COVID, there has been a renewed focus, if you like, untraditional, when I say traditional, I don't mean sort of your generic medicines, but traditional yeah. medicines in the sense that this is something that African markets might be more attuned to, or not necessarily prescribed or even registered, but nonetheless have medicinal properties. Could we see when we see things as this, for instance, the effect of COVID-19 on the skin because people are stressed and it presents that much more aggressively and it's on the increased psoriasis that is, are yes, such investments being made in ensuring that the medicines that are not generic, if you will, that are not traditional, if you will, are given the kinds of attention that they are due from at least the one perspective of making health care that much more accessible?
2: Yes, I think for sure. Look, we're living in a country where it's extremely diverse. And we're fortunate in one way that our health regulations, authorities, do take into account some of the the, the medications that used in, in a in a traditional type of setting, and and it is tested and and they are used. The problem is in this in this condition, as Dr. Naidu said earlier, there's so many uh, herbal type of medications whether it comes from China or India or elsewhere, where they have been tested and often they are steroids in them. And the problem in this condition, it's in psoriasis itself, if you're using an oral steroid that's taken, mm. often when you get off it, the condition gets worse, and it becomes harder to treat as well. So we try to say, try and avoid any medication that hasn't been tested, that hasn't been scheduled for this, for this condition. This is an old condition. It's been around for decades and decades, and more studies have been done on it in most conditions. Um, and they've been, they've been testing. you know, They've been testing these herbal treatments for years now. So we just need to be careful. Patients need to be careful. Yes, there is a place for some of these so-called herbal type of medications, but for this condition, we just need to be careful and, and try to follow what the experts say.
0: Lest this conversation be interpreted as just purely a skin-based condition, because I'm talking to two dermatologists, how it presents, for instance, comes through with stiff, swollen, and painful joints, elbows, ankles, and the like. And many people might at times associate that with things like arthritis. And this is where we start getting into clear distinctions between, if not the symptoms, the type of pain, and things associated with arthritis being distinct to those that are associated with cirrhosis. Dr. Naidu?
3: So you do get a form of arthritis in psoriasis called psoriatic arthritis. As you said, it's more than skin deep. It's throughout the body. The joints affected are a little bit different, and you get nail changes involved with the joints. So it's a type of arthritis, but it's it's a specific type compared to osteo or rheumatoid arthritis, which would be different joints, and the nails won't be affected. You may get nodes on the fingers or distortion of the fingers in rheumatoid arthritis.
0: We're having a conversation after the short break. It continues with Dr. Ugeshin Naidu, specialist dermatologist, as well as Dr. Lushen Pillay, also a dermatologist. This is the segment, hashtag health on Monday. We have jashai In fact, we have... Ten minutes on the dot left of this conversation. Living with psoriasis is more than a skin condition. Those who know know. Let's talk about red scaly patches on the skin, the itch that won't go away, among others, the stares, invasive questions and comments. This is a skin condition, as Dr. Pillay has said, has been around for centuries. We are tackling it right now because we are here to teach and learn from each other. Hashtag health on Monday continues. Song is on my We're in conversation with the doctors Naidu and Pillay, dermatologists. We are speaking about psoriasis, P-S-O-R-I-A-S-I-S, your medical terms, pronunciation, and spelling. It's a problem, and the jargon in the medical space is an even bigger problem, but we are here to demystify to the extent possible all of these things. Now, we have mentioned about some of the clinical aspects. There are some of the social aspects that we have to attend. People can't possibly be the most confident when living with this condition and the obvious reasons don't have to be said, not least because people stare, people ask questions, and it doesn't present itself in a manner that is at all eye-pleasing. How do we engage that, Dr. Naidu?
3: So, as we say, it affects your quality of life and impacts your social interactions. So, That's why treatments which clear the skin are so imperative, especially if you look at a child who's 15 to 25. They start in their life, they're going for interviews, they start in university and those sorts of things. If we have something that we can give them, which changes the way this disease behaves, we may not have a cure, but we can control this disease, manage it and give them clear skin and they have so much more confidence they feel like they don't need to hide they can wear the clothing they want have the relationships they want so this is why this medication is so important and really changing things if we make it available to patients
0: To the extent that we're talking about these symptoms and how they present, Dr. Pillay, what's the worst that can happen? Could somebody, for instance, die? Could somebody, given the fact that it has links with arthritis, lose the use of one's facility, for instance, an arm or a leg or the joints become so um, disabled that using them is either perilously painful or simply not an option? In other words, I'm not trying to say be an alarmist about things, but let's just get real with the condition.
2: Well, on the one hand, as Dr. Naidu said, in the condition in psoriasis, you can get a psoriatic arthritis form. This is quite a severe form because your joints are so disabled that it becomes a a condition that you can't actually treat. So that's really important to treat it from that point of view. But on the other hand, psoriasis itself, as we said, causes an increase in weight. So our patients are often overweight. They often have diabetes. And that itself can cause can lead to amputations, can cause issues with, your, with the feet, the peripheries, etc. So maybe not from the condition itself, but the sequelae or complications of it can lead to severe severe effects. On the other hand, the mental anxiety and 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 the stress of the condition, we know that up to 44 percent of our patients commit suicide. That's huge numbers. 44% of patients with this, comi- with this condition That's
0: one every two. To commit
2: suicide, yes. Essentially. So, so that's quite a serious serious number. And I don't think any of us really understand how severely it affects, affects someone. You can imagine a child going to school, as Dr. Naidu said earlier as well, with these scales that are falling from their face, it really affects them. Um, and you don't blame other, other children. They don't know the condition. The skin often tends to bleed, so it is a serious condition. When our uh, patients go for interviews, they don't get the job that they should be getting because if they're client-facing, they're customer-facing, no one it's wants prejudice. to hire them. It's prejudice,
0: ultimately, that is the result they of all of these things. They
2: really also. don't get the help they should be getting. And often when they go for to, 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 to other specialists to treat other conditions, they're often not treated as well because, um, unfortunately, people don't want to, uh, to, to see people with these scales falling down everywhere, They try to get them out quickly, so they're not often not examined as they should be. So it's a host of conditions that affect our patients with this condition.
0: I mean, the way to mitigate all of this outside the clinical interventions, just behavioral interventions and changes and routines include, but not limited to, the age-old, eat a, a balanced diet, get enough sleep, go for exercises. And when we start talking about stress, it does become a conversation about taking your mental health seriously, Dr. Pillay.
2: No, of course. I think we can't place more emphasis on how stress actually affects us. And with the skin, probably more than any other part of the body, stress really has an effect. There's so many conditions that are affected by stress. In this condition specifically, more so than others, stress has a direct link. And and like you said, small things like taking care of yourself, making sure you exercise, going and doing the things that give you pleasure, um, Decrease your stress levels, whether it be doing yoga or Pilates or whatever it is. Try to stop smoking. Try to decrease your alcohol intake. All of those are important parts of the holistic health that we always talk about.
0: I say fortunately not that we can speak about this in such contexts and forms, but, I mean, it is non-contagious. It is an autoimmune disease characterized by raised areas of abnormal skin, Dr. Naidu. And because we know it is hereditary, is there anything before the presentation takes place from that 15-year-old, let's say, in the first 15 years or until such time something presents, one could do even clinical interventions to try and mitigate what would otherwise happen because you're not exactly going to treat something that doesn't exist or hasn't presented with the types of ointments available. Is there anything that can happen, more especially when you know there's a family history involved?
3: So there's nothing you can really do to prevent it. And so once it presents, trauma will can bring it out, so injury to the skin, but even that is accidental. So there's nothing you can do beforehand where you know it's in the family. What can I do to prevent my child developing that? There's nothing of that sort.
0: Yeah, well, I can only say drink water, sleep well, exercise, keep good company, and for those who don't have it, be kind to those who do. Anything else you want to say, Dr. Naidu, Dr. Pillay? Final comment before we wrap up.
3: I'd like to say that there is treatment out there, and we can stop all these things from occurring in the long term. And these things it changes the prognosis, which means the long term outcome for the patient if they treat it early, effectively, when symptoms first appear. So, although it may be that you say biologics are difficult to get, if we uh, if patients do get them, they they're going to get better. They can be managed. So there's a lot of hope for those
0: patients. Sure. Thank you so much. Encouraging words from Dr. The Final comment then from Dr. Lucian Pillay. I think as Dr. Naidu
2: perfectly said it, you know, we want our patients to know they can get the care that they that they should get. This condition can be treated. We we far too often in our practice we see patients that have come for other other conditions and they say, No, we've got this we've got this condition on our elbows or scalp and there's nothing can be done about it. They've often been told there's no treatment available. You have to live with this condition. We want our patients to know you don't have to live with this condition. And the earlier you treat, the better the prognosis long-term is. Um, try to see someone who specializes in the condition because we often see that uh, even people who, who are, are dermatologist specialists and don't specialize in treating this condition often don't know about the newer treatments. So there are newer treatments. They are really good treatments, and there are help out there. You just need to seek right
0: places. And with that, I cannot take the conversation any further. That was then Hashtag Health on Monday, a conversation of and about cirrhosis, together with Dr. Ugeshen Naidu, specialist dermatologist, together with his colleague in the practice and space, Dr. Lucien Pillay. 2144, it's time for us to say goodbye here on The Viewpoint. Chat tomorrow for the second and final time.